Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, I am uh, always excited to come and and share the word. For me, it's a a whole practice in in studying and getting to know what God wants to say uh, through a passage. And for me, uh, I find it super enriching to my faith. So thanks for being here. Thanks for for listening. Um, You guys looking forward to Christmas? Okay, some enthusiasm there. Is what are you guys specifically looking forward to? Is there things that you're like, I really looking forward to this specifically? Sorry, presents? Food, yes, absolutely. Sorry? Pies? Parties. I heard pies. I'm like, okay, pies are good, but party parties, yes, absolutely. Times to get together with people. Rest, absolutely. Having time off is, is a big one. Um, yeah, we're all looking forward to different things, and there's lots of good things in all of this. And um, as we, as a, a group of believers, um, get, look forward to the season of Advent, we're also looking forward to the coming of our King. And it means something specific to us uh, in a spiritual sense, but what does that mean exactly uh, in maybe a practical everyday? How do we live in Advent? How do we, as a church, uh, prepare our hearts for this? Um, Back in the day, uh, in the 1800s, there was a Lutheran pastor who was running a mission for the poor, and he had these kids who would come, and they were always so looking forward to Christmas. Uh, And they would keep asking, when is it Christmas, when is it Christmas? And he got kind of fed up of being asked constantly, and he he designed um, this this wreath thing that you might have have seen before. Uh, Basically, it was a a, a circle uh, with candles, uh, and these candles, the big ones would mark the Sundays, and the little ones would mark the days of. And that was their way to, uh, to look forward to the, every day they would light a different candle uh, to show that they were getting closer and closer to Christmas. Um, there's hundreds of different ways to do this. Um, and I feel like this whole anticipation has de- degenerated somewhat. Um, a quick Amazon search will bring you various advent calendars. I, I did a little snapshot here of the various advent calendars. On the first, it's a little bit small, so I'll have to give you a bit of help here. The first one at the top of the corner is a National Geographic gemstone advent calendar, because nothing says Christmas like a rock. Um, some rocks are a bit more valuable in the middle. There's a, a like, number five in the middle is a, is a jewelry calendar, an advent calendar where you open it and there's jewelry, because really, presents before presents. Really gets you excited for presents. Um, and then on the bottom row, near the end, there's a Pokemon advent calendar that Aurelia would really enjoy, because Pokemon, Japanese Christmas is where it's at. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't room for me to put the, like, the Marvel Avengers Lego advent calendar that's in the next row lower. Um, but what's the point of this? Um, there's this, this, this uh, consumerism that has kind of taken over this waiting period that we're trying to be preparing our hearts to wait for the coming of our king uh, 
what is the point of waiting? What, what, why, why do we even do this? And maybe just think back of like some big event that, that, that you're looking forward to in your life. There is something that we do just naturally as humans, as we anticipate, sometimes counting down becomes part of that anticipation. We start marking down the days before our long holiday. If we're going on a trip down south or somewhere, we're like, we, start, we start marking, hey, I have this many days left, and we start crossing them off day after day after day. Like, oh, I'm look, looking forward to it. Why do we do that? You know, when, um, when, you, when, someone, when a marriage or a wedding or something big is going to happen, we, we tend to like, take our calendars and mark down the days. What's the point of that? What does that do for us? I think it, 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 it's a good thing. As humans, it's, it's, it's a way to, to kind of build our excitement. Surprises are fun. It's great when there's a surprise. Like, oh, well, it's a surprise. It's great. But there's something about something that's long expected, anticipated, and the, the things we do to put in place to build that anticipation in our hearts. Um, I, I, I was thinking about it this week, and, and I, I realized that you know, our anticipation prepares our hearts for action. We're preparing our heart to be emotionally ready for something that's happening. It's like, hey, heart, emotions, get, get ready. It's coming. It's, it's happening. And um, as we get ready, um, we, we're, we're getting ready for something, for something specific, for something that will, um, that, that, that will be a big event. And as we build our anticipation, as we intentionally build our anticipation, we're preparing our heart and we're preparing our soul and we're getting all of ourselves, all of us, are ready for what's to come. But, but, like, it can go bad, too. Sometimes we put our anticipation in, in, in the wrong things. Um, my parents are here, which is great, because they know this story ahead of time. See, th that there, what you see, that, that logo there is, is a phone, kids. <laughs> so, so, so a phone, this is, like, not the one that you put in your pocket. It's a phone that has, it has a handle, and it has a, bot, a base, and it has actually a cable that will link it to the wall. Because back in the day when, when I was, you know, when I was a teen, like that's how we communicated. And my parents, um, my parents went, went, uh, saw as a teen that I had started talking to a lot of people uh, over the phone a lot. And, and they thought, you know, for Christmas, he should, a phone would be a good gift for him because in his basement cave that probably smelled terrible, um, I would, I, I had, I'd plug in a phone and talk to my friends a lot. And they thought this is a great gift. It's a great gift for sure, but I had my heart set on a video game that I really, really wanted. And for the months leading up to Christmas, I had been like, oh, I want this one video game. It's Chrono Trigger. It's this big. It, it, it was my Nintendo. And I had rented it from the, the video store, which kids was, was a thing, a place <laughs> where you would go and get videos. Um, but... but um, but, but, I, had, but I, had, I wanted this game so bad I, to the point where I think my parents wanted to teach me a, some kind of lesson or just wanted to make fun of me. I don't know what their plan was. You can ask them afterwards. They're right, right here in the front. Um, but, but, uh, but at Christmas, they had wrapped three presents and put them under the tree. And present number one was the right shape for my video game. And the present number two was a bit bigger, but my, maybe they put it in a bigger box to make it me like guess. And present number three was also the same shape for me to get my video game. And all three of these boxes, when I opened them on Christmas morning, did not have my video game in it. One was the cable for the phone. <laughs> Two was the cable that hooked the phone up to the wall. And three was the phone itself. And, you know, young teen Nathan tried to keep it together and say thank you. And, 
walked over to the bathroom, which is not far, closed the door, just cried and wept by myself for not having got my video game for Christmas. And it was, it was a sad moment, but, but, but it kind of shows, and I think this is, this is true, like, they did actually buy the video game as well. They, did, they, were, they weren't cruel. They had just hidden it so that it wasn't underneath the tree. And they did have a great laugh when, they, when I came out of the bathroom with tear-stained eyes and offered it to me. And that my, uh, my, my brothers and my parents remember that moment and will tell the story over and over again. And, um, but my anticipation was so big for this one thing that I thought would make me so happy that it maybe blinded me to the, the other great things that were around and the fact that, you know, sometimes our anticipation plays tricks on us and we start anticipating the wrong things, things that might make the good things, things that make you happy. Chrono Trigger is a great game, still holds up, worth downloading. Um, but it's not, uh, it's not just the good things. There is a great thing to anticipate at Christmas, the number one thing that we can focus our hearts and minds onto. Um, and, and that's what I'm going to try to, to bring for us as, as, we, as we study this, the word today is, is, is basically I'm going to try to answer four questions. Wh question, number one, who are we waiting for? Who is this God that is worth waiting, worth spending a whole month like de dedicating our time and anticipation for? Who are we in general? Who, what, what, did God, what does God make us to be? Who are we in this story? What happens when he shows up? And finally, when we're convinced that this is what we want, how can anticipation prepare our hearts for this season here that's, that's starting? So I'm going to read a passage together, and we're going to, we're going to pray together at the end of, of my reading. But um, yeah, so, so if you have your Bibles, if you have your, your phones with your Bible app on it, uh, or if you, you don't even, you'll have, the, have it here on the screen. This is in Isaiah 64, verse 1 to 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Lord, um, help me um, share what you've, you've put on my heart through this passage. Um, speak to us as we learn what it means to be your people in this season. Um, use these words to sink deep into our, into our soul and, and shape our mind and motivate our actions. Lord, um, 
help us put aside distractions of this week, concerns or worries that may be overwhelming our mind at the moment, God, and just focus on what you want to say to us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage is from Isaiah. And um, Isaiah is one of the Old Testament prophets, and, and, uh, and if you, you're, you're not super familiar with Bible history, what it means is that there was a time where, where Israel, which was uh, in, in the Palestine region, uh, was a, a kingdom under a king named David. Um, David had a son named Solomon who built a big temple, and this big temple is where God, the worship of God, Yahweh, was, was present and, and, and important. But shortly after uh, Solomon there were civil wars, and there were kings who just were not at all faithful to God, and 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 quickly de- de- degenerated to the point where um, where neighboring uh, nations attacked and and plundered Jerusalem. Um, in Isaiah, the the pattern of destruction and and and. The devastation of Israel had happened so much that there wasn't much left. Jerusalem itself was flattened. And if you continue on in verse, uh, verses uh, 10, 11, 12, it talks about how Jerusalem is a devastation in the desert. And Isaiah is a, a prophet who's, in this, in this passage, praying to God and saying, God, come down. We are in bad shape. So the, the story here is they're waiting for a God who in, seems absent, who seems like he's no longer doing the things that they were hoping for him to do, uh, a God who seems to have either let them down or a God that seems to, to, be, to be slow to rescue. And you can see who we're waiting for. And the, the very first verse of the, pas- the passage says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It, the you is, is specifically to God that he's speaking. It's like he's, he's addressing this longing, this desire for a God who's gonna, who needs to show up now. We need your help. God, we're desperate in this moment. But um, it's a bit tricky when you're reading the Bible because sometimes we think that we have to read it by, like, by numbers, by verses. Um, 64 is not the, 64.1 is not the beginning of this passage. Um, I had a, a, a prof in Bible college who, who said that the people who put the numbers in the Bible were probably like sitting on the back of a cart, and whenever they hit a bump, they put a new number. Um, and because, because, because sometimes it doesn't make sense where it's split up, and, 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 and the numbers come way later than the text actually was there. It's not like the person who was writing was like, I'm going to put a one right here, and a two. No, no, they, they just would write and, and pray, and they would write down what they were praying. Um, and so the, the, the actual prayer that we are reading, part, a part of here, actually starts in, verse six, in chapter 63, in verse 7, earlier. And there's a whole list of a description of, of what, who, the, who this God is and what he's done in the past. And the very first verse, uh, verse 7, the, the, where this prayer starts, it, start, it starts with this. It says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is praised is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. And there is a, a, um, a, a whole series of actions that God had done in the past that motivates uh, Isaiah to be praying to him. If you look in, it's, it's not just this random God hope, please help us. He, said, he talks about in verse 8 how God had saved them 
how in verse 9, when they lived uh, in distress, God was distressed, who in love and mercy redeemed them, in verse 9 as well, later who guided them, who sent their Holy Spirit uh, among them, who showed kindness and tenderness and compassion to them. And the, the verse 63 kind of establishes who this God is. This God who, for, for, for um, no specific reason, seems to have chosen one people and, and, and shown kindness to them. And fundamentally, the kindness of God is the foundation of our anticipation. One of the reasons, as a teenage Nathan was not so happy about getting a phone, was probably because, you know, he felt let down. And he, he had, his anticipation was built on the fact that my, my parents have always given me great gifts. Why don't I get this one? <laughs> For me. But no, it was, it was more than that. It was this, this our, whenever we look forward to something, whenever we're anticipating something, it comes from the fact that we had in past developed a relationship, developed a, 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 an understanding and a belief that whoever is giving us this wants good things for us. And God's kindness, the path, the, what he's done to, for us in the past, the gratitude that we live in that moment, builds our, our anticipation up. And, and uh, we sometimes forget that. We, we base our, our anticipation on, on the things that the world can give, the things that, that, the, that are, you know, that maybe we could earn for ourselves. But God's kindness can be even greater than anything there. But why is he so kind to us? Well, it says, and I think this is, I think it's probably one of the most beautiful passages in this part, in verse 8, it says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. God has an intention in his kindness towards us. He wants to use it to shape us into something, something beautiful. He is our father who's chosen us and selected us. And even the word father comes up two other times in, verse, in chapter 63 before as well. Whereas they, the people seem to understand that this God is not an impersonal like power somewhere in space, but actually a father figure who is close and who wants what's best for us. But who are we then? We're his children, yes, we're chosen, but not because we're awesome, not because we're cool. Um, those who are big fans of Christmas movies start watching Christmas movies at this time of year because now is the time, right? Um, the best Christmas movies, in my opinion, are ones that, that don't have the chosen person who's amazing. It's not like an Avengers movie where you're the chosen one and you go and do the thing to save the world. No, that's not what Christmas stories are about. Christmas stories start off with Scrooge, the awful moneylender who has no reason to be saved whatsoever. The Grinch, the green monster up in the hill who just wants to wreck people's Christmas. Why? Because they're loud. Or or even like even Elf, which we watched just this week, you have this, this father who's, who doesn't know that he has a kid, but who's just miserable and, and sells awful children's books, which as a teacher I feel like should be punished severely. <laughs> but, but, but we have these people who have no right to expect good things. 
And Christmas starts often with that story of that person who has no right to expect good things. And yet, for some reason, something happens, miraculous things happen so that that person is no longer who they were before. They're transformed. Give me a second. I lost my page. Yeah. Yeah. So who are we? Well, we are those who God has every reason to be angry with. Um, the people in, in Isaiah's story had turned away from God, had looked to their neighbors for help instead of to God, had, had gone, got, become selfish and violent in their ways, and God had punished them severely. Um, and they felt that anger, and they felt their sins. And if you re- when we read verse 64, maybe we do not feel like we've personally deserve foreign invasion at the moment. Maybe it's not something that we feel like, oh man, I'm so bad, I've, 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 I, I, some, I, think, I think the states should attack now. I, I, I don't think that's where we're at spiritually. But we often read passages like this and we hear the words of the prophet and we think, oh, yeah, that's me. So when it says in verse six, all of us have become like one who is unclean, sometimes our decisions the actions we've done have made us feel unclean. Sometimes we feel like we're not, you know, we're not clean anymore. Something's dirtying us. Sometimes we feel that our, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the good things we do don't measure up anymore. Like we, we've only done them for, for the wrong selfish reasons and even our good actions don't feel right. Maybe we feel like we're shriveling up like a leaf. Maybe we feel like our sins are like the wind that sweep us away. We have no control of the direction we're going in our life because our bad decisions and our sins have pushed us and control us. Uh, Maybe we feel that God has hidden his face from us and that we're wasting away because of our sins. We are the Scrooge. We are the Grinch. We are the ones who don't deserve this Christmas. And yet God wants to show up. And our prayer is there. It's, in, at, the end, it's at the end of that passage. Do not be angry with us beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. We long for that forgiveness. So what happens when he shows up? What is the end of these Christmas stories? What does it mean for this poor, wretched person who needs forgiveness? Well, it genuinely brings unexpected change and unexpected things. Um, Awesome things we don't expect. I love that passage. For when you came down, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down. There's a correlation there, causation even. It's when he comes down that these awesome things happen. Things we don't expect. The mountains tremble before you. I think that's amazing. The mountains often represent the troubles, the obstacles in our lives, things that we don't think could ever be shaken, could ever be moved out away. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has, ev- has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. What an amazing promise. It's true, and, and it's true. If you're skeptical about faith and you're not a believer, I challenge you, look, look at the history of the world. And since ancient times, look at, find, try to find any God who's moved like ours. And even though it, it seems 
Um, it, it seems strange to brag that way, but I, I, would, I, would, I would say it holds up. If you look through history and look at what God has done through his people, through his teachings, through Jesus and his followers, no one has done what Jesus has done. And, and there's a God that acts in powerful ways on behalf of those who wait for him and who's, and who's still acting. And that's maybe on a global, like, like historical scale, but it's also going to be on a very personal scale. God is the one who can restore relationships. God is the one who can make things that seem impossible possible. God can bring freedom when there's suffering. God can bring forgiveness where there's guilt. God can transform our entire way of seeing the world when we start understanding that he is the Father who loves us and that we are loved not because of how great things we did, not because we were naughty or nice, but really because he loves us and he's chosen us to be his own. So how do we live into that? How do we prepare our hearts for this season? Well, maybe we need to stop just waiting for the good gifts of Christmas, but actually start being ready for that unexpected gift that comes when we turn our hearts towards God. Maybe change our expectations with, instead of being like, I expect this season to be great for me, for time with friends. No, I expect that God can show up even today in my struggling, in my hardship. How do we do that anticipation thing? How do we train our heart? We, I talked earlier at the very beginning about how we can like, prepare our hearts through anticipation by checking off lists and maybe by, by lighting candles or whatever ways or opening your gemstone or Pokemon thing. But how do, we, how do we prepare our hearts? How do we wake up our emotions about God? How are you, like, help me be focused on you this year. I, my hope, my hope is that we can take inspiration from this passage. And um, I, I put up some random pictures on the, uh, on the board. Yeah, let's see, so let's look how random that is. All these five things are things that are mentioned in this passage. Why does, it, why does an author do this? Well, because in Isaiah, everything he sees around him inspires him to look to God. And I think there's a way to train our hearts to think like this scripture writer here. Whenever we rake leaves this week, can you think of how we shrivel up like a leaf in our sins and desperately need the fire that can put our hearts ablaze. There's a reason that, you know, when we clean, these filthy rags could represent even sometimes the good works we try to do just for our own sake instead of for God's. Uh, the mountains that we don't, I don't, we don't see mountains. That's something that doesn't work really in Montreal. But, but mountains, um, Represent really maybe you know God the struggles and the obstacles that you that you feel in your faith, God can move those. When you feel the cold wind, think of the wind that sometimes sweep us um, away from the life that God wants us to live. Let's turn everything in our life into reminders of the story that we're part of, this Christmas story that God wants us to be in as we get ready for Advent. Let those be reminders of who we are and reminders of who he is as the Father who loves us. So how can we prepare our hearts in this season? I love this verse in, in the passage where it says, no one calls on your name 
or strives, strives to lay hold of you? How can and we anticipate? Maybe we can do the opposite of what that, those people were doing. How can we just call on his name and strive to lay hold of him? Let's live that way. Let's try to switch that and be those people who strive to lay hold of him. How can we do that? Well, in, in anticipation, we can saturate our lives with reminders to lay hold of the Lord for whom we strive. What kind of reminders can we do? Well, these reminders, not gonna, like, not gonna lie, like, we have them constantly around us. Maybe we've just forgotten what they mean. Um, Christmas decorations are so amazingly significant. Um, this is the Advent uh, wreath. Um, it's round because it expresses the infinity of God and how he's without beginning and without an end. That's when the, the Germans first designed it. They made it round to represent that. Um, the, the green that's used in the evergreen trees represents God's everlasting love for us. Um, when, when, uh, when it was first set up, it was used as a teaching tool to tell kids and to tell others, why, why, why green? Well, because it, the leaves don't fall and our, our God does not fall either. The lights are used to represent God coming into this world. Jesus, the light of the world, that we light, when we light our candles, there's different candles. And the candles have often been named the hope candle, the peace candle, the love. Um, I'm missing one. Hope, peace, love, joy. That's the one. And, 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 and all these candles have their different, uh, their different expressions. And, and uh, so, 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 so this season, let's be intentional. Let's see these reminders as opportunities to hold on to this promise of God and the story that we're part of. Can I pray for us? Hmm. Lord, I thank you for this community that continually reminds me to, to, to seek after you, to look, after, to look for you. Help me and help us all to see our part in this story. Help us see where we're at, we are at personally, God, and where you want to work in us. Lord, help us call after you in our distress, just like these uh, Israelites were doing long ago in their, in their suffering. Lord, make our enemies know how great you are, God, as the world works against us. And remind us continually, Lord, of your love and care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time peace.